0: And I think that's the best thing is, like, whatever I'm realizing is, like, whatever I'm into, like, be really honest with yourself. Like, what are you into? What are you passionate about? And just try to stay as close to those ball cords. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I found out hey, everyone. This is Carly Lee.
0: And this is Daniel.
1: And this is the After Hack Podcast.
0: We're coming to you from Brooklyn, New York, and we have Max with us. I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I've been living in New York for about three years almost.
1: Where did you go to school?
0: I went to LSU.
1: So what did you study there? Acting. And... (laughs) (laughs)
0: Are we really going to pretend like we don't have (laughs) acting? It's
1: nice to meet you. (laughs) It's really nice to meet
0: y'all. you just just welcoming into your really cute... Had. Stranger, thanks for coming over.
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, everyone we know, Max, the jig is up.
0: So I, I graduated, then I immediately moved to New Orleans, mm-hmm. and for the first year, my plan was I'm going to just work for a year here, and then I immediately got cast in a show with the NOLA Project. Like The summer, right after I graduated, I was cast in like a bit part in this play, Bomb and Gilead, with the NOLA Project. And the NOLA Project, it was sort of a group of students from New York who had come to New Orleans post-Katrina, and they were really doing them and Cripple Creek and these other goat in the road, uh, skin horse, I mean some really cool stuff was being done, and NOLA Project was sort of in that family tree of like cool new hip New Orleans theater. But then I was approached and asked to leave the show because I was told... You know, no hard feelings, but this is a cast of 40, and and we can't really hold your hand, and you're just... You're not really taking what we're giving you. Totally valid, sure. It came at a bad time. I was pretty devastated, but then...
1: There were 40 people in the show?
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, and the, it was a huge show. I mean, the show took place in one cafe in New York, and it was just a busy, bustling cafe, and it was like an ensemble piece, but I guess I didn't really do my part. My my, He just kind of told me to just sort of stay around the main countertop, kind of lurk. I was just like, Colombian sort of heroin middleman pusher. Naturally. I, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, they said, don't shave, and, you know, all these things, but I think I just froze up. I was coming into, like, a really close ensemble who was, like, a company, and so I felt really honored, but then I feel like I kind of dropped the ball because I let pressure and nerves and I froze up and I was sort of suffering, like, actor paralysis every rehearsal, you know? Yeah. I had to make better choices as they say, and that word kind of makes my skin crawl because it's like, well, what's a choice? <laughs> just, what is I the I thought script? I was choosing, I don't know. Yeah. Well, like, is this a choice? Is this a choice? <laughs> and then you're just, like, vortexing out of mm-hmm. control. But then, so I kind of went into a vacuum and just partied for a good few months in New Orleans and kind of just, like, worked and made money and, like, did Mardi Gras and, like, all my friends were there. And then I got cast out of the blue as, like, in... Well, it's again, it's a small ensemble, but in Killer Joe as Chris... Which was like if you had asked me, you know, what five parts would you like to play before you die, Chris and Killer Joe was one of them. So I was like, seriously? (laughs) Like holy shit And that was with this production comp or this theater production company called Jonathan Mayers. And we rehearsed sort of in people's living rooms and at like the back room of this like bar in Metairie. And then we like moved into this really cool space. That was like a really good sort of button. Because I also got into some issue. New Orleans just wasn't working out for me. I mean, there's a reason they call it the city that care for God. I mean, I love New Orleans. But when I at my most bitter, I said that New, the New Orleans theater scene felt like a slumber party that I wasn't invited to. Yeah. That I just sort of found myself in the middle of. You ever, Did that ever happen to you as a kid? Or you felt like you were invited to a party as like a prank or a trick, Or you just... You didn't right. feel...
1: welcome. Welcome. Yeah.
0: So then I, I sent a tape into Stella Adler in New York. Got into this like fall intensive where I would do like voice and check off. So I was just like, well, peace New Orleans. And I literally had to move out of my apartment but had to stay in New Orleans for other things so I there was one night where I actually did sleep in my car then I finished up my adult business that sounds bad <laughs> i finished some some legal business problems issues paid off my rent blah 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 got literally Two days later, was on a plane to New York, and this whole time, of course, I'm, like, gagging because I'm so nauseous and nervous, and I'm just, like, everything just is, like, one unknown after another. And then I came to New York and was sleeping on a blowout mattress, we did Stella Adler, and then just really got the ball going. It was three months. It was, like, twice a week over the course of three months. How many weeks is that? Like, ten? About ten weeks.
1: And did you like that program?
0: I did. I mean, it was very, like, small. Like, I, I think my checkoff class was, like, 12 people, and my voice class, which was, like, Saturday mornings for three hours, um, with this guy Reginald Vincenziano. Oh. He has a, and then um, this guy Paul Takas he's I think he's a teacher at NYU or he teaches around but he was my Chekhov teacher and the voice class was really small too and that just like kept my wheels greased it kept me interested and it kept me at bookstores keeping an eye on new plays really getting a feel for like what is pushing the envelope in New York because everyone deserves to hear to have good stories told to them everywhere the way New York works, I mean, a lot of sort of where we go in theater sort of starts in places like New York or Chicago or even L.A., I'm sure. And then it sort of trickles through the regional. Brandon Jenkins, who did An Octoroon and um, this other play, Appropriate, and like, you know, Annie Baker, and mm-hmm. she wrote. 4000, Amy Herzog, Stella Adler really kind of pointed me, I thought I knew, but I was really just kind of looking at like classic playwrights and, and very academic theater, you know, like mm-hmm. I was in that, and that's, I was, it was good to come to New York because I was finally a big fish in a huge pond of like really talented people, and I, we were talking about the other day, like New York is a place, if you're willing to say yes to everything, It can, like, really take you on a wild ride and you can, like, meet people and really learn. And, like, there are a lot of days where I'm like, oh, wait, I don't know how to act. (laughs) Like, I'll be watching some, like, shitty NBC show and I'm like, they're really good. (laughs) (laughs) Those people are, it's so hard what they're doing right now. And then I follow it again. It's like, you got to watch out for that. I guess it's fear, but it can lead to what I call, like, acting paralysis. It's a very like um, precarious sort of thing, and so I think the best thing is just to say yes and just work as much as you can, even if it's not. It's kind of the only thing that saved me from feeling like lost in this city.
1: Yeah, you know? no, absolutely. Just even being in a play or a workshop, yeah, or just feeling like or, you're a part of it. Can yeah, be and like our friends
0: did, you know little storytelling nights. And I got like a reading workshop that was like a uh, showcase with Hartford stage. And like, you know, it's all little stuff. And I, I definitely could have dived in a little deeper at first. I definitely got a little scared or overwhelmed. I didn't know where to start. So I just sort of hid in like working at a restaurant and just like the winter and just like didn't put myself out there. Well, Whoa. I worked at Nighthawk.
1: Oh right! Yeah, I forgot about that.
0: Yeah, which was really great because then it was like, I was around like all these like new festival sort of sleeper hits where that was like the only kind of mm-hmm. thing the theater showed, and, right. and then like you know Jim Jarmusch and like James Franco would come and like do Q and As the theater. I started working for Elizabeth Ashley. Uh, sort of, she calls herself an actor at of the city and she really is i mean she's truly one of the great kind of broadway actresses who who really didn't compromise and and i mean this you know not just because i work for but you know she was this very intelligent as she says peculiar girl from the south from baton rouge actually if i learned anything from her it's like just wade through the red tape and just do it and don't feel sorry for yourself she always says it's the most desired and most difficult um, career, in a lot of ways. And
1: so, how did you meet her?
0: Through mutual, um, a woman who my mother knew in Baton Rouge. Um, she cut her hair for years, and you know she's sort of this kind of Baton Rouge. What's the word? Um, socialite. Socialite. Yeah, I mean that she's not like a straight up debutante, but I mean she's just a well known sort mm-hmm. of woman. She's a philanthropist. Blah blah blah. And she knew Liz from high school, and Liz also knew her husband, and blah blah blah. So she just emailed me and said, you know, my friend Liz is an actor in the city. I think, you know, y'all would enjoy meeting. There was no intention of like being her assistant or working for her. And so we met and I presume we hit it off. And then she sort of posited, you know, would you like to come on board with me for she was in, you can't take it with you two seasons ago now with James Earl Jones and, like, you know, Rose Byrne. And so, of course, in my mind, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes. I to, like, go to rehearsal with these people every day. I mean, I got to spend six weeks in a room with James Earl Jones.
1: And so when you say working for her, like, what, like, when you were Personal rehears- assistant.
0: Okay. Like, I would take her notes. I would take her blocking. She had her own <laughs> script. I mean, watching how she operates in rehearsal, even just, I just, I mean, her her sort of motto is no bullshit. And, I mean, she had, you know, four versions of her script, and um, she just knew how to work in rehearsal. She was never late. You know, there were a lot of days when neither one of us felt like waking up at 9 a.m. to go to rehearsal all day in Times Square and, like, sort of fend for yourself at lunch and then come in just sit in that room and sit in the hall. And it's a lot of... But that's, like, the work these people do. And, like, that it was a huge cast, but knowing her and being able to then sit in that room and see a rehearsal run and seeing her operate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got the kind of madness that you sort of have to have a good madness, but it's really just a resilience and an endurance and like the nerves and the, it gets easier, I guess, but with every new project, it's, it's a new family of people. There's going to be some new challenge that, you didn't see coming your way as an actor with every part you get. And I think the biggest thing I took from it is just have a really good attitude. Don't bullshit. Don't lie. Don't be late. And be prepared. I mean, these people weren't off book day one, but... Right. Right. Why do she you hear four scripts? Yeah. One, <laughs> so, one for me, one uh-huh. for at home for backup if she loses it. And then... Mm-hmm. She has one that, like the one I took notes in, and then the one she has, she breaks it up and she like tears the pages out and like puts them on this sort of clipboard mm-hmm. and then has them on a ring. So it's like all the pages they're working that day. And then wow. she sort of ties these markers to it. I mean, but she like sets it di- I mean, she she works in this. It's methodical, but when, and a lot of the people on that show, it was just like, wait, there wasn't as much like talking about it. Mm. It was kind of like, we did two days of table work. A lot of it was just people laughing. Like, I mean, you know, it's You Can't Take It With You. It's Kaufman. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's supposed to be fun. It's not s- Tom Stoppard. Yeah. But still, it was just, like, they just, I mean, repetition. Like, and they just, that's how you learn your lines. And you just find the, like, living, breathing entity of the thing. And you find the joy in, like, creating a theatrical world. And actually keeping it entertaining and moving and clear and crisp. And that was really, that was really... Exciting. Like, my brain was exploding. And I remember, like, the first week I was just, like, on cloud nine. Yeah,
1: that's really cool to just be in that room and yeah. see at that level yeah. how stuff really goes on. Just,
0: and the thing about professionalism and all that, it's really just nice people who are passionate coming together. And, like, paying attention to detail together and, like, not compromising. And, I mean, yes, you have the money with Broadway, but...
1: And so, once rehearsal was over and she started performances, what did your job shift?
0: She would have to be at the theater a lot. I mean, eight shows a week, and I think they would do two shows on Wednesday and then two shows on Sunday, off Monday. But it would kind of change depending on, like, a holiday or a thing. Or I would show up in the morning, sort of as usual. We'd kind of wake up her apartment I would sort of take care of her pug she would be getting ready um and then we would just take a car up to the theater and you know there was a lot of time spent sort of setting up because this these people have to sort of move in to these dressing, dressing rooms. rooms yeah I mean it it's a it's really interesting how much you can like personalize your dressing room and mm-hmm. like it's like but you have like everyone had a cot like they actually provide you a cot There's showers like Kind of live there, so we would just sort of get her there. She sort of had her routine. She, um, she always said she really likes sort of find her own kind of zone in her dressing room before show. It like focuses her, and and then I would sort of go off in whatever sort of life business she needed to take care of her red tape. Right, I would sort of go. I would you know take care of the apartment, take packages in. If someone had to come and do maintenance, I would sort of meet them. Then I would go back if there was a two two do to show day you can keep that <laughs> we would figure out like lunch dinner um, I would set up you know getting her home I mean it was actually kind of surreal like to leave a show with someone from backstage and there's all these people waiting out mm-hmm. but Liz always said you know fans are some of the easiest people to humiliate and there's no excuse or reason to not sign everyone's take every picture sign every autograph I mean if it takes time it takes time like, those people stand out. They're, they're committed. Yeah. They're loyal. They, you know, they need to come see these shows. I mean, it's, yeah. it's such an escape. And so, you know, it's easy to be this, like, star and just sort of come and go and be mm-hmm. elusive. And it's like, that's bullshit, you know? It's work that you love, and you do it beca- for these people. Right. So, and you
1: can take fucking 20 minutes and yeah, sign some That's plates. part of the job.
0: Right.
1: Having been a stage door kid myself, yeah, it's like... It's such like a make or right? break. It's like, oh, this person signed it. My world is complete. That person didn't sign my playbill. They're a fucking monster. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like one, yeah.
0: And I think everyone actually in that show was really gracious. I, I will mm-hmm. say that. I mean, it actually the whole ensemble was like for a straight play with a straight play comedy classic mm-hmm. revival. With a huge cast Of like some pretty like witty Some you know super mega famous Some just like Broadway famous Some just like you know Theater actors that are doing You know little shows in the basements Of basements in Eastern Europe When they're not in a Broadway show right. you know, It was such a good mix
1: Obviously you learn so much from being in that environment But is it also hard to be in that environment And not be acting Or not
0: yes. I
1: would think that that would be there were some days where I
0: would like feel sorry for myself
1: just to be so close to yeah it just
0: felt like this cosmic joke like sort of teasing me Mm -hmm. I mean that's if I'm gonna if I'm being totally honest you know the the ego and everything you have to sort of like just find the curiosity in this new role you're playing like be curious about it I, I think everything kind of happens for a reason it's about as like whimsical I get with like religion but I had to view it like that and now I can sit here when I'm gonna read through for a show I'm in now or something it's like these just sort of ways these kind of ways just remain kind of gracious and listening and realizing that you're one small part of a huge machine you know it's very easy to get jealous we all do it and jealousy is just one of the most destructive things because there was a part of like days I'm sitting there no one really needed me to do anything but I have to stay in the rehearsal room and I'm I'm looking at the clock and the, the weeks are going by and I'm like well should I be auditioning but I had yeah
1: to were kind of, you auditioning during no, this time? I mean I, I guess you've really
0: committed all my time I now I'm so I feel so lucky because like I don't know when I'm gonna have the opportunity to see the kind of inner workings and not just be focused on acting. Yeah. To kind of, because I would have to sort of communicate between company management and stage management. I had to deliver all the gifts at Christmas. I had to, you know, talk, I had to talk with the doormen every day. The security people have to go talk to box office if she had someone coming. I mean, and I, so I got to sort of just be running up and down this labyrinth of a Broadway theater, you know, all day. And it was, I would walk in the theater and just sort of take a deep breath. And it was just like this sort of swell in your heart of like oh my God, it's like, you know, December and there's like going to be a show tonight. Like, here's the Broadway house that's empty. And like, to kind of see the like warm kind of glow of a Broadway house and how it kind of comes to life every day and then shuts down again. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. There was definitely a time where I would feel a little, um, not even resentful, just kind of disoriented. Early on, like one of the first weeks we started working, she was like, you know, I don't believe in nepotism she was like you know you'll find yourself in a lot of rooms with me possibly like you you know if you meet people great but she was like you know this isn't a situation where like I can guarantee your promise because mm-hmm. she's a working actor too
1: yeah right.
0: and she's she came into it in the late 50s at such a different time she doesn't understand how it works I mean she does but if I ever ask like if I were to ever ask like oh can you sign me with this agent? or can you talk to this agent she could if she knew him but it, her pool isn't how one would think. It's a right. different... Yeah. She has her own kind of journey. Right. And her own sort of place in the map of New York theater. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you, you didn't expect
1: no. her to be like, I can get you in this room for an audition kind right. of she, like, Right, and if it ever crossed my mind, down. it
0: was nipped in the butt very early on. Yeah. So when you <laughs> stopped working for her, you had a lot more time to um, Yeah, audition. I mean, I've got jobs... I auditioned, and I did some festivals for Alex, and then I did your show. Mm -hmm. And then I worked for her off and on. She did, like, an audiobook recording, so she still needed me around. And then, while I was doing that and working for a furniture company, like, installing counters and, you know, apartments in the Dakota and stuff. So I was like, man, I really gotta gotta get going. I'm (laughs) just, like, (laughs) constantly, like... I mean, this is, this is the honest sort of voice at this point was like, you have to, maybe you need to take a break from helping other people like dot all the I's and slash mm-hmm. the T's in their life. And you need to figure out what your really goal, like what your game plan is. And then I got into Williamstown. And, and so, so then
1: did, where did you find that audition? Like, what was that like? It,
0: it was just, it's for, as an apprentice, you literally go on their website, and there's a application that's just, like, your, you know, usual information. Name, phone number, mm-hmm. emergency contact. And then you write two essays. I think it was two. One was, where do you see yourself in ten years, as an actor or not, or what? You know, who do you want to be in ten years? So that was kind of fun, because then I could just be like... I mean, I literally wrote my paper. I was like, well, I was like, there's sort of a trap you can fall into answering this question, because, you know, there's so many... I, I, you can't control anything, mm-hmm. but I would like to do this. I want to do this. I also want to do this. I could live here. I would love to live here. I mean, I was just trying to be as like forward about it as possible. Yeah. And then the other one was Why Williamstown. The sort of main thing I wrote the essay with in mind was like, it just seemed like a really cool sort of theater laboratory. All the plays that they put up every summer, like some of the newest, most relevant, just, it was a really cool place to go. So, I got, I applied, like, in February, and then in April just got a phone call that was like, you know, Hi, Just nice. based on the essays? Based on the essays, and your resume and headshot. That's cool. That is yeah. cool. I didn't realize that's how that works. All summer, we were like, how did they? <laughs> <laughs> I guess they sort of had, sure, they had their own kind of algorithm. Who knows? I mean, I don't know how many people applied, but they accept 70, and it's 35 male, 35 female, ages from 18 to 30. And what you think is strange, but it's funny that they sort of take, you know, groups of, you know, 19 to 23, 24 to 27, mm-hmm. 28 to 30. And we all kind of found our way. I mean, sure, it's 70 people for 70 days straight. But, you know, you ask, like, how do they accept you as an actor, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's an apprenticeship where creative opportunities are lined up for us, as best as they can be, but a lot of us early on got cast in, you know, chorus ensemble on the main stages. So their schedules ro- revolved around that all day, and then maybe they would go help like hang lights at night. Mm-hmm. Where the people who weren't cast in anything early on would have to wake up early and go to what was called the mill and help with the carpenters all day, and then we'd have to go to the costume shop, and then we'd have to. Drive to Boston to pick Up a table and then you know A couple of weeks later 15 of us Got put in a directing Showcase that we would audition for And then some of us would finish up the main Stages and we would so it was this You constant, had to do
1: everything we had to do
0: everything And they kept saying you know you're the lifeblood And we would joke like you know hashtag Lifeblood <laughs> and we're like you know Dirty and like in a metal right. shop like, 7 yeah, like a m. workforce we were A workforce yeah And it was intense. I mean, there were nights where we did things called overnights where we would go all day and some of us would be scheduled to work on building the sets or in the scene shop until like 5 a.m. And then a couple of us would be assigned to wake up at 3, make all the food to serve for the people getting off their shift at 5 and then to serve breakfast to the people coming in at 5.30 or 6 to then work until like 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. that afternoon. I mean, it's... I mean, they mounted maybe the main... There were eight main stages, and then all the, like, um, they call them D.I.s, like um, the directing interns would direct shows, and then there were the D.A.s, which are the directing assistants who would assist all the main stage shows and then direct their own sort of more realized pieces. So it was, like, maybe 15, 17 shows, I mean, in one summer...
1: Now are you guys getting paid anything for this? No.
0: There is a tuition. You pay for room and board. So you pay for room and on board on acceptance, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. There were like carpenter stuff that were like, so wait, you'll pay <laughs> to come work? To be the <laughs> labor? <laughs> right. But the thing is and like there were some days where it's like, what the yeah. But then they were like, WTF! And I was like, okay, we get it. But like, really, what the fuck? I mean, one day I was in my room and I heard this girl screaming from somewhere in the courtyard. She was like, I don't know when I'm going to sleep. I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to eat. eat. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> and, and I was just, like, laying there because it was hot. And I was like, yeah, I mean, this is where we're at. <laughs> we just slowly kind of just descended into... But it was all, at the end of the day, like... Do you Everyone recommend to it? Yes, That's it's the so hardest funny. and the best thing I've ever done. But I'm just you know just being honest. Like yes, you're gonna have good days and bad days because you literally are just thrown into like theater twenty four seven. Yeah, but you meet. So many great people. I mean, the first week, I was like, my heart was just exploding. My brain was exploding. I remember one night we were at the bar, and I was talking with someone, this guy Jeff Wittekin. He was an apprentice. He had been sort of joking. He'd be like, do you like this band? Do you like this play? And I would be like, yeah. And he'd be like, I thought so. He was like, I'm on to you. (laughs) I was like, okay. And then one day we were at a bar, and he came up to me, and he was like, what do you think about the play Wojcik? Or Wojcik, whichever. And I was like, oh my god, it's my favorite play. And he was like, okay, it's my favorite play. He was like, I think we should direct it. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll never forget that feeling of like, here's someone who sought me out on a whim. We both feel really passionately about this. We have a op- whole summer and resources to do this. Like, This is like a dream of mine to be in it or direct it, whatever. And then we just sort of were like, okay, we have to do this. We have to do this. And like a week would go by. We'd be like, okay, we're still going to do Void And we would know we're all busy. He was crewing a show. I was crewing a show. He's in a thing. I'm in a thing. And we just would force ourselves just randomly, at like 1 a.m. after we were done with stuff to just like meet, talk about it. And we were like, it's going to be tiring. It's going to be hard. Like, And we were like, how do we do this and give everyone, like, an opportunity to act? So we came up with this whole concept of doing, like, an outside, immersive, kind of moving version of Wojciech, like, through the town. Because there was, like, a mason lodge and a church (laughs) and a bar. And we were like, let's just use these places for the actual... Long story short, it was a place with like-minded people to just challenge yourself and not worry about the outcome and just be exhausted, be overworked, and then the reward is that much better.
1: I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but my boss was an apprentice at Williamstown like 40 years ago.
0: Yeah, it's been going on forever. And
1: he sort of always talks about it and references it as like one of the best times in his life. Mm. And, you know, there'll be like a person, like a semi-famous person in a play or a casting director or this or all these people in the business. And I'll always be like, how do you know them? And they... like, nine times out of ten, it's, we were apprentices together Williamstown. It, it's sort of a, this, like, breeding ground for, like, all these people who then...
0: It really is. I mean, and they just, you know, we're a family now. I mean, you know, we don't, like, all keep in touch every day. We right. all had to go back to school. We all live in relative places. But we all have, like, our own... Um, I don't know if I should be sharing this, but we all have our own sort of secret apprentice Facebook page uh-huh. that we started at the beginning of the summer. Uh-oh. And we just, uh, we just all <laughs> 70 of us just keep in touch and just post things and memes. That's cool. and we, you know, post, like, if anyone's in this city, this is, the, there is an audition here or this.
1: That's cool. I'm coming
0: to New York this weekend. Is anyone, in you know, so we do our best to, like, keep in touch because there's a lot of us. But it's just, it really, it really, in a way, kind of, like, gave me a new, it, like, pointed my ship in a new, new direction. Where it's like, okay, I feel like I have a little bit more of a sense of how I can do this. Even more so than I was sitting in like a Broadway rehearsal room. I was like, totally. this doesn't guarantee anything. You know, it's just cool. It's These people don't... I mean, are they going to... Maybe. But Williamstown, there's something to be said about being thrown in a room with a bunch of strangers and then just all sort of being, you know, cast into this theater and just given jobs you know, seven days a week. We didn't have a single day off. And then we could all kind of, we had this thing we all kind of related over. Yeah, you're
1: all war buddies. We're all
0: war buddies, (laughs) exactly.
1: Y'all didn't have a single day off? No. (laughs) This would not have been for me. Oh,
0: my God. (laughs) No, but we didn't realize that until we got there. We were like, "Oh, oh, they just keep...
1: Oh. Scheduling us every day <laughs> I, uh, for stuff. Get a break in the schedule, please.
0: It's nice that you guys made time to do your own project, though. Yeah, because we would have some breaks. Like some people got to like you know they didn't get started till noon that day. Mm-hmm. Or it worked out, but you had to do something every day. And so, Williamstown has such a amazing clout. Like people go to see these these shows. Yeah, apparently, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I knew it was big, but I didn't realize. I mean, even while we were there, there were, you know, like certain movie directors or like the head playwright of Juilliard brought in some, um, this girl, I forgot her name, but she's working on a musical with her together, um, about like the civil war, but they were there and no one knew they were there. They were just there in some room somewhere, just workshopping for a few days and then they'd go back to the city or something. I mean, it really is this like kind of multiplex theater kind of laboratory, and there's so much, there was so much happening that I didn't even know about.
1: And so what have you been doing since you've been
0: back? I've been house-sitting, I've been, um...
1: Have you been auditioning at all?
0: I auditioned, I've auditioned, like, maybe for four things.
1: And so where, where, what's your audition source? Like, where do you go to...
0: Um, well, it's, I don't know if you should take my advice for someone who hasn't been auditioning as much as I should. Mm-hmm. Because I've honestly, I'm in this thing where it's like, okay, I have to, I have to be stable in New York, coming back from the momentum of Williamstown. Like, I, it's, it's something that I can't even really explain. I just know what I have to do for my insanity. And, like, I need to focus on, like, taking care of my body and, like, making consistent money for, like, a a job or something. And then I'll audition. Like, I don't want to say there's no rush, Mm -hmm. but, like, I have to be real with myself about who I am as a person and what am I doing to make my life healthy mm-hmm. as a person? And right now it's a little fuzzy with the acting thing. I mean, I'm not giving up on it, but I'm just, I think that's something a lot of actors, I learned the hard way. It's like, you have to be a person. Don't lie to yourself. Like don't, and I'm just at a place where I feel like I owe myself that. Cause this summer was intense. So I'm just sort of throwing out job resumes. I've auditioned for a few things. My source for auditioning is Playbill Jobs. Um, I have a backstage account. And Actors Access. And I think, and it's funny you asked me that because this past week I kind of made a decision I was like, okay, you're going to start going on auditions until you get a job and stop making money in these like, you know, half-assed kind of one day, you know, temp, job, cater, uh-huh. go, mm-hmm. do a favor. <laughs> for some, You know, um, it's just start auditioning for every little short film that's posted, every little...
1: Absolutely.
0: And don't, Don't be, like, a judge against yourself of, like, I kind of want to do something that's more this or do this or do... Like...
1: Being open to... Being open. Yeah.
0: You know? Like, if someone gave me a pizza commercial, I would fucking take it.
1: Well, yeah. you can make a fuck ton of money. Me too. Yeah.
0: But if someone gave me, like, an unpaid part in some NYU short film, the question is, would I take that? it's like, right now, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, do you have a reel?
0: No, I don't really have one. And see, that's I have, why like, you would take a couple things. But you know what I mean? You just gotta...
1: That's why you would take something like that, mm-hmm. you know? So would your answer to the where you see yourself in 10 years question, is that different after this summer? Or is it the same?
0: I mean, it's still kind of just all this, like, up in the air of, like, all these things I want to do. But I definitely this summer got an even clearer sense of, like, in the in the near future, what interests me. And I should have mentioned before, but I have... Off and on throughout, you know, all these jobs and little theater jobs and stuff, I have been taking classes with a gentleman named Brian McManamon. Find a class to take.
1: And how did you find him?
0: I'm researching MFAs, end of college, and I just come across this interview with him about what does it mean to get an MFA? Why should you get one? And I just bookmarked it. And then about a year and a half into New York, I just started working for Liz. I came across the bookmark and emailed him and then talked to him on the phone for an hour. And, um, he invited me to be in his class and then I worked with him. Um, I took a class in the fall, the spring, fall, the spring. And then last summer I took a Shakespeare class with him.
1: Does he work at a specific studio or is he just independent?
0: We'll be at cap 21 or we'll be at, um,
1: but it's, he's not like part of a larger institution. Okay.
0: He works, he just was the artistic director, I believe, or of the summer Program at Stratford In Connecticut That theater He works He's worked with Eugene O'Neill Um He's really great
1: And this is all because You saw an interview From him Online, online. Yeah. That's so funny
0: And then there's this other Um Uh Carly Zion I, I took a couple sessions With her Just sort of one on one Finding people to Just go in And sort of You know Here's my monologue <laughs> And then they're like <laughs> Okay Right. And just to have someone just be present when you're in the room and be like, well, here's your strengths, here's what you're weak, like, do this, like, play with this. Do th-. And then you kind of leave and you're like, okay, yeah, like, this is really fun. I'm right. really glad I chose right. to do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, give yourself more credit if okay. you're working hard. Yeah. I don't always work the hardest at it, and that's where I'm at. You know, it's like finding that pure energy again. Yeah. And not just doing it because. You know, really wanting to do this. Like, do you want to do this?
1: Yeah, not, oh, I'm supposed to do this. Right, like, I can't
0: be an actor. I don't want to leave. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, you know, fail gloriously. Like, either way, (laughs) just try or do something else. The Open Door by Peter Brook. It's the most recent theater book I've read that's just so unified and simple and clear. And it just is about, it's like the empty space. It's just about what we're doing when we do a play. Nice. Is it a person in a room? Is it two people in a room? Is it three people in a room? I mean, just, it really goes back and it really talks about ritual all over the world. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's very good. Yeah. I mean, Great. he's, oh, he, and he goes around the world and talks about like, you know, theater in Asia. And like, when we bring that theater to America to watch it, it's becoming a completely different thing. I mean, he really plays on like audience and ritual and... That just, I mean, I highlighted the whole book. It was really, I, I haven't read a book like that in a long time. So The Open Door by Peter Brook.
1: Um, well, thank you, Max. Thank this you. This has too. been Thanks, glorious. Max. Um, if everyone could go to the website, accident. www.classactorhack.com, sign up for our mailing list, or email us at podcast at You should like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. And the music you've been listening to is All That Glitters by Sweet Sabrett from the album Days and Nights. Thank Thank you. you. Ciao. (laughs) If anything, my mother will listen to it.